Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Michelle Burquist, your host of Women Leading the Way, and do I have an amazing woman who's leading the way today. I'm excited about our topic, because our kind of topic today is shared experiences on leadership and activism as a female prison doctor. And I want to say those three words again today, because I'm delighted um, to introduce our leading lady and to have her say hello. But with us today is Karen Gedney, and she is a medical doctor, MD. Um, her company is DRG Consulting, LLC, but she is a former female prison doctor. And Karen, I cannot wait to have this conversation with you, but say hello to all of our listeners and welcome to Women Lead Radio. Well, hello, everyone out there, and I can say I'm definitely excited to talk with Michelle and for you to learn something that is usually kept behind walls and fence lines yeah. and barbed wire. Oh, my gosh, and that's a visual. And you're, and seriously, I mean, you have, just to kind of give our audience a little bit of idea here, you had a 30-year career as a prison doctor. And I just, you know, I mean, just from the get-go, I'm like, how did you, as an MD, end up as a prison doctor? I mean, please kind of share, you know, briefly that story. How did you go after that? Was it just happened, you know, that you got within a prison system as the MD and the prison doctor? What was, how did that happen? Well, you can imagine, I did not grow up ever thinking I wanted to be a doctor in a <laughs> male prison system out in Carson City, Nevada. I can Nevada. imagine, but what yeah. Happened, yeah. What happened was I grew up a bit on the poor side, but I was bright enough to get scholarships to finance everything. And I had a medical school scholarship which required that I had to work four years in a place no one else would work. When I signed that, this is through the National Health Corps, I thought I would be in a rural area, in inner city, and nowhere in my imagination did I think I would be plunked into a male prison system. And that happened in 1987, and it was because, most people don't know this, but prisons really never for the most part, had medical care. But in 1976, there was a Supreme Court case, Estelle versus Gamble, which set the precedent that, hey, if someone's incarcerated, they still have to have access to medical care if they have a serious medical need. In the past, wardens mm. and people running prisons would just let them die. So prisons were on the ugly side, violent side, especially in the 70s and 80s. And in 87, Nevada was under so many lawsuits that the federal government put me there to do my four-year spot. Wow. That's how I ended you up know, in prison. <laughs> and 
That's amazing. And I know, and there's a lot there. I mean, like I have a gazillion questions for that. And I just want to make sure our audience knows this is, I mean, fascinating in a way that, you know, so many people when we learn about being, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Like we ask this of women a lot in our association, Connected Women of Influence. It's like, are you a female leader or are you a leader? And I'm really curious with you, do you, well, what, what would be your answer to all of our listeners? I'm curious, and then I'll tell you why I asked you that question. I would consider myself a holistic leader, and that is because I feel that if one doesn't lead men, women, and children, society is less benefited. Wow. Okay, that's powerful right there. Thank you for that. I know what's always fascinating to me because I want to talk about you leading in a prison, you know, situate, you know, system, you know, it's so male dominated and it's, you know, always fascinating me, to me to hear women who talk about, you know, their role, their their leadership role within a male dominated industry. And so even more fascinating is when I I listen to women go through these leadership programs that, again, leadership should be genderless, and I understand that is, you know, how it should be, but, you know, the overwhelming number of women that say, I've gone through this, I'm, I'm exhibiting the same behaviors as my male counterparts who are colleagues, you know, same positions, same leadership roles, and yet my results are different than my male colleagues, right, because women who speak up, sometimes it doesn't go like it should as a leader or, you know, we lean in or whatever those things are. So I'm curious for you to share with our listeners, like, what was it like, you know, to be a woman MD, you know, in a prison system that is so male dominated? I mean, I, can you paint a picture for us and what that was like and what were some of the lessons, you know, that you really learned as a leader in a prison system? Well, I'd like your viewers to imagine the male prison system, in terms of its leadership, is really almost 100% male hierarchy, but also a militaristic hierarchy. In fact, if you go into prisons, you have captains and lieutenants and sergeants. It's very much militaristic. Plus, you have a male system that, in a prison, they are oriented for security. And they are very fixated on that. And prisons were never designed uh, really for anything except to incarcerate. That means keep individuals away from society. On top of it, you have a custody staff where men, many times who cannot be police, end up going and being a custody officer They, in Nevada, as an example, they have to have a high school education, six weeks of training, and then they are in charge of someone's life in every aspect for years and decades. And that can unfortunately lead to abuse. And you have a similar thing as with the police where Many times you do not really know of the abuse unless someone speaks up. In a male hierarchy, it's the alpha dog that calls the shots. So if you're a male and you say, hmm, this does not seem acceptable, far less likely that person, that male, will speak up 
because they're answering to the alpha dog. Now for me, I'm also taking care of 100% only patients who are males. And there you have a different type of system where they're based on surviving incarceration and they split up Mm -hmm. into groups. You can potentially have gangs. Um, There are individuals that have all different lengths of sentences. You have hopelessness. You have a lot of unfortunate dysfunction, which many times spun them into prisons. And then you throw in me, and at that time a 30-year-old tall blonde, (laughs) and about as naive as they come. And I can only I'm thrown into a mix and I'm thrown into a mix. And then on top of it, the medical director of the entire state basically ended up dying about two weeks later. So I had no one I could turn to in the entire state <laughs> to ask for any direction. And it was wow. it was I was under let's just say those were very tough times for me because I, and this is, I think, a message for for women who are in that type of male world, is that I was oriented to be a doctor, and that is not the orientation my male counterparts had, right? I mean, so the example would be this. If an inmate, someone who's incarcerated, says something to custody, custody's first impulse is, are they lying? My first impulse is as a doctor is, are they telling me the truth? Mm-hmm. And you have two entirely different views. And I'm oriented to heal and improve and think of the best of the person. And on the other side, in custody, they always have to worry about the what the worst thing could happen, right? Yeah. So you have two – so they – So I will say that I was looked at as a potential enemy, a security risk, an idiot. (laughs) Wow. But I, I, right. So I was going to say, Karen, like back up a minute because, you know, I mean, I can't imagine just the conflict a little bit of, you know, the MD, right, role that you played, right? Care, help, heal, any of that. And then, dealing with the prison system, like you just shared, that was about, you know, incarceration and, you know, this person and not believing them. How did you, I mean, I guess internally just learn to navigate that? Was it that you had, you know, some sort of a, a support system for you? Because you said you're the woman you knew who would, it sounds like was a mentor, you know, wasn't there anymore. Like, how did you learn to navigate that just by trial and error? And I'm not laughing. I'm like, this is crazy. Right, I don't. (laughs) Yeah, the medical director was a male as well, and he, he died. So I really didn't have a female mentor at all in the prison world. Um, And I will say that in a prison, you have a prison director who's in charge of the entire state, and I lived through 10 of them in my 30-year career. So that's how fast they come and go because it's political. 
Mm-hmm. And I had one female out of the 10, and I will say that female, Jackie Crawford, was the most progressive director, and she looked at the prison differently. She looked at it where, yes, we have security, but we want to be professional, and also she looked she was a strategic thinker. She could see what other systems did in terms of programs that actually reduced violence and created for the inmates programs that where they could actually benefit from and be less of a risk to society when they leave, when they left. And she put those into effect. Some of your listeners mm. may have heard things like the puppies on parole program where you bring in basically dogs that are damaged and then inmates are trained to actually spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week forever to heal them. And then they are adoptable where they would never be adoptable before, which actually not only affected the dog, they incredibly affected the inmate who many times never experienced unconditional love And that changed not only the inmate, it changed many times uh, the prison where the dogs were at. And I saw one of my prisons who started it first, uh, their violence dropped significantly just because of the dogs. Wow. Because the inmates wanted to to protect them. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is fascinating. For our listeners, like, you know, and again, you were in – the role you played for 30 years, right? I mean, that, that, that's like a lot of years to be that dedicated, yes. you know, one, to the profession, two, in the same place. So I'm curious, like, from the standpoint of leadership and navigating in a male-dominated industry, and especially, like you say, the militaristic side of things, what would be really kind of the two key things that you feel as a leader, like, really are, are some strong advice you could give to other women who are navigating in a, in a male-dominated industry? I mean, clearly not the same thing, but I know there's got to be, a, I mean, because you are a slice of advice lady. So what would be a couple of slices of advice you would share with our listeners as to kind of the key things Here, that you learned that were very yeah. successful for you? There are three things that I like to uh, push, and I call them the three C's. It's curiosity compassion, and collaboration. Curiosity, because if you're new at the game, but also you're new in terms of environment and you you are working at, instead of immediately judging, uh, one has to be curious. And in a prison, I also had to be curious about my patients instead of judging them, which many people did. Because you can imagine serial killers, rapists, pedophiles, many individuals would immediately judge them and then shut their mind to them. So I definitely feel curiosity to try to understand the other person. And compassion in regards to trying to understand their point of view versus immediately jumping to the thought, they are really making my life hard uh, by not letting me do X, Y, Z as a doctor and trying to see it from their side and also being compassionate that they're under a very different mindset and have to be than 
than myself. So right. they cannot be the healer and the, the type of person I am, and they should not expect me to be the punisher and jailer as they are. And then in terms of collaboration, and this took me longer, I will have to say, but the ability, because initially I thought, oh, man, I'm just on my own. I just have to, <laughs> I just have to do things <laughs> on my own and hope I survive. But then I can't imagine. once I really worked on the curiosity and compassion piece, I could collaborate with uh, custody that at least were on a sort of similar wavelength. And that enabled me to create programs that never existed in the prison before, like life skills programs, Toastmasters programs, things like that, that never had existed. And that was outside of the and, medical side. So those were things that you yeah, just Yeah, those I did as a volunteer as, in the evening. Oh, right. that's cool. Well, you know, listen, we're going to have to take a just quick little sponsor break here. I want to come back. When we come back, I know you are such a big, you know, prison reform activist. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that, like what stimulated that. I can't imagine the things you saw. But um, hang on with me for a second. We're going to take a, you know, say thank you to one of our sponsors, Karen. So Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and the opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. So thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all of our sponsors and partners. So I'm back with Karen. Um, is This is fascinating, Karen, about the conversation we're having about you know, being a leader in such a male-dominated industry, but now more than that, I can't imagine the things you saw, but what was the kind of, I guess, if I can say, maybe tipping point? I don't know, over 30 years, I imagine there were many, but what was kind of the tipping point for you to kind of, and I'd like to know more of what what is kind of a definition in your mind of prison reform as an activist? Like those are words I don't hear in business. You know, I imagine a lot of our listeners right. are like, what does that mean, a prison reform activist? <laughs> yes, what that means to me is when you look at the prison, and I looked at the prison for a long time, I saw things that needed to change, to reform, to transform in that it would not only benefit the individuals on the inside, and that means on both sides of the fence line, but really to help society uh, have individuals come back who were less of a risk than when they had entered, to protect society. It is, I try to explain to people, imagine you have a pit bull who hasn't been treated well and is dangerous. And does it make sense to then stick him in a cage, uh, make him miserable for a long time, feed him horrible food, and then kick him out? Do you think that makes any sense whatsoever? But that's what our country does to people. Wow. And, and that is not helpful to society on any you know, standard you ever want to look at. 
Right. And also I saw so much racial and social injustice inside what that caused people to spin into prison and also for people to get heavier sentences. If you look at Nevada in terms of the death penalty, it's really the poor and the minorities that end up with these types of problems. And so, and also I saw uh, abuse on the inside. Imagine what I would consider abuse, where imagine you have an inmate, uh, he has a poor family on the outside, and they do, inmates can have accounts where money can be sent into them, where they can buy some cookies and something, you know, for Christmas or whatever. And then what happens is you will have legislation that says, oh, um, the prison system at the director's uh, discretion can take X percentage of that money. So you're a poor mother. You're going to send something to your poor son. You save up your money, $100, you put it in their account, and then the director of the prisons goes, well, I think this month we're going to take 80% of whatever family sent in. That oh, are you serious? Things. That like a I can happen. Serious. Oh, that can happen. So in fact, I know that in Nevada because there was a bill that went before the legislature this time in Nevada that said, "Hey, wait a second, because families got so upset, they pushed legislators to say, "Wait a second, there has to be a bill. We understand you may take money from them for the victims' fund or something, but hey, we're the family." We're poor. We've already been victimized by you taking our husband or our brother or son or whatever. Why are you mm-hmm. victimizing us? Right? You see what I mean? But when you yeah, see things totally. like that, that take literally legislation, um, and so I, when I left the prison, I mean, I did my stint inside helping the guys, but now when I left, I still wanted to help them and how to help them. And as you know, one of the things I did was I did write my book, my memoir, 30 Years Behind Bars, Trials of a Prison Doctor. But I wrote that because I know stories affect people. And I wanted the public to see the system through my eyes, like a naive person doesn't know anything about prisons and I'm oriented to understand complex problems and to heal. And I think a lot of people on the outside, if they had that, um, those qualities, <laughs> let's say, would be interested in the stories, right? Or just be interested you know, in prison in general, but see it from a different side. Right. You know, I mean, I think, first of all, this is this heavy. I know, I mean, I, I don't... I. I I'm not loving the topic, but I'm like, just the things you've seen, you know, and I just want our listeners to understand, I mean, this is, I, I can imagine as a, when, when I hear the word, you know, prison reform, there are going to be those that will be advocates of that, and there will be a lot of people also that are like, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, like, who cares, right? Like, the let you know like the people that are like why would should there be reform so i'm curious for you how do you how have you come out to have the message you have have you found a lot of champions of being a prison reform activist or 
and have you dealt with a lot of, you know, kind of angst and controversy over the opinions that you have and maybe others? I'm just kind of curious what has been the response of you as you've gone through this because I, I can't even begin to imagine what that's like. This is like, wow. I think I get a little bit of a pass because I'm a doctor and doctors mm. are allowed to care about people. Okay. Right. Uh, so I, I get a little bit of a pass. Now, I will say in the prison reform movement, you have a tremendous amount of people, and it all has to do with what I consider proximity. If you don't understand the problem or be next to the problem, a lot of it is, well, what do I care? Okay. But imagine if you are the mother of a teenager who at 17 does something stupid right. and another yeah. teenager gets killed. And did you know in certain states your 17-year-old could get a lifetime in prison with no possibility of parole for one Jeez. stupid mistake of a 17-year-old? Now, most mothers don't know that, but that should strike fear in your heart if you're in the wrong state. You see what I mean? Right. And in fact, I was right. just no. talking yesterday to a lawyer who said, man, I got this case, this 16-year-old, he turned one day after 17 and this horrible thing happened and they're going to give him life without. Oh. All right. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's just incredible. And, you know, they have put 12 and 13-year-olds in adult prisons for violent crimes and the, the problem with violent crimes is we always judge it. We judge every human behavior through our own system. And, of course, if we would judge ourselves through what they experience, we may have a whole different idea. You know, if you're a kid who your older brother is shooting you up with heroin at six years old, which is my population, okay, and they're an right. addict, and then they get beaten by an alcoholic father. They have a schizophrenic mother, and they get tossed around from one foster family to another who sexually abuses them, and then they do something violent when they're a teenager. To me, how dare we judge that behavior based on our experiences? You see what I mean? Absolutely and agree. I do. Right. You know, we've only got a couple right. minutes left. I'm like, I yeah. want to give you a chance to be able to, because I want our listeners to know about your book. So please, how, you know, yeah. tell, just briefly share about your book and, like, where can people find it if they're interested? And I'm thinking we get you back on Women Lead Radio to talk all about your book. I mean, and there's more here to you so much, Karen. This is fascinating. But how can people find your book? I want them to know about it, and I'm hoping it's on Amazon as well. Yes, oh, it absolutely is. On, it's on Amazon, and I uh, self-published because I wanted it to be my voice, not a publisher's thing. And sure. it's 30 Years Behind Bars, Trials of a Prison Doctor by Karen Gedney, MD. And it's also Audible. I actually do the Audible ebook, etc. And it's on Amazon for $14.95. <laughs> and there here's the thing, Michelle. Yeah, every chapter starts with artwork done by one of my inmates as well because I definitely and always want to promote my 
in you know my inmates who are doing well and that particular artist is in the outside world for the last seven years and he's in graduate school published poet artist etc oh, wow. because i want that's part of the reform piece for me my, my website is discoverdrg.com and on that website i do blogs and you can see artwork from the inmates and things like that so I know I've looked at your things. site, and we, we, yeah, and for all of our listeners, we have a link to your site on the show page for today. And, you know, I, I mean, I think this is what's fascinating, and maybe the fascinating is the wrong word, so I apologize if I'm using the wrong word, but I think, like you said, the proximity of kind of like those that go to prison, like you don't see, you don't hear, you don't learn about, right? There's just right. no interaction right. with that. But, you know, when I hear what you say of these scenarios, right, of individuals that, I mean, it's like set up to fail before they even get in, you know, that 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 prison. And then there's people that do really bad things. You know, I get it. I think right. uh, in our last just really briefly couple of minutes here, it's like what – is it that you feel that we, um, through our network and as a radio show and podcast, like what do you wish more people knew, you know, or, you know, what do you want to leave us with as insight? Because this is your, this is kind of like the final question, Karen. <laughs> What's going to be your final answer just for today? And thank you again. But please, what would, what would you like us to know that as businesswomen, it's like I had no idea and I am going to buy your book and look more into it, but fascinating stuff that you just you don't think about what do you want to leave us with well I'd like to have especially women because women are holistic thinkers they tend to heal they understand children can spin out of control and I think what I would like them to do not only read my book but is to become more aware of some of the laws that uh, harm individuals. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, listen, we're going to have you back again. So I'm taking away today um, to our listeners. Remember, curiosity, compassion, collaboration. Passion and collaboration. I think that's insightful. Yeah, think oh, did I get it right? Some curiosity, compassion. You, yeah, you got those three things right. And yes, and I. That's what allowed me to survive in the prison. Yeah. Again, what you saw, and now look what you're doing. I mean, let's have you back and talk about the book and kind of like you know post post prison, right? After after prison and right. how you were yes. yeah, utilizing a lot so much of, of what you learned. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of other things, uh, and I think that's a great thing for many women who have had big careers, and then they wonder, well, what do I do next? Because there are What's a lot next? of baby boomers yeah. out there. You've got, I'm one. I'm going to own that proudly. So there we go. I want to say thank you to you for being our leading lady, Karen. You are fascinating and wonderful. And seriously, to our listeners, I just want to say thank you to you because you know we are an international show. We are here every Monday uh, morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time. We are here every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time. And love that, you know, you can find us post show here today, which is our live show. Um, after our show, you can find us on Spotify or Google Podcasts or iTunes, or now they call it, I think, Apple Podcasts, and also on iHeartRadio. So thank you for, again, Karen, being our leading lady. And I just want to say to everyone, it's like 
Please have an awesome weekend. It's exciting that the world is opening up again, or at least the USA. Um, so go enjoy the weather, and we will see you on the next Women Lead Radio Show. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.